0: I don't, I don't know how this has been landing on you, but I remember the first time I heard Harold Bullock walk through the profiles of the fools, how it, it really cut me deep. And um, the Word of God is living and active, like a two-edged sword, and the reason God uses it the way he does is to do, like, surgery on our hearts. So I hope this has been help to you so far. I'm gonna continue to walk through uh, the different fool patterns but I'd like to back up just a little bit and uh, gain some perspective on uh, the realm of folly and the realm of wisdom and how we live in both of those. We've been looking at these strategies that people use, that we use, uh, to get what we want without God's help or without doing things God's way, particularly. Um, we're, we're taking time to look at these. They're clearly outlined in Scripture. The five fools that we're looking at, they, they jump off the page of the Bible. They're in there, <laughs> you know. Um, and the problem is when we play the fool, when we choose a foolish strategy, trying to get what we want on our own, we do very counterproductive things. It impacts our family relationships, our friendships, the way we handle our responsibilities. We make choices that derail our progress toward experiencing life God wants for us, for accomplishing the goals he wants for us. So it's very important. So we've been talking about Old Testament categories, the realm of the spirit and the—I mean—the realm of uh, wisdom and the realm of folly. The New Testament has different categories, and they're—they're uh, they're still there. They're still—you can trace the categories of wisdom and folly in the New Testament for sure. They're there, but um, a new category or another category that the New Testament uses for the foolish strategies is the realm of the flesh. We're living in the flesh. There's there's a realm of the spirit in the New Testament, and there's a realm of the flesh. And the flesh is the old sin nature and the strategies that remain even after we decide to follow Christ. One day, they're going to be gone, but that's when we move on into heaven. Now, here and now we still have this fight with the, the old ways. They remain. Uh, when we repent, which means turn around from going our own way, we accept Christ's death on the cross as payment for our sin. In other words, we quit trying to earn God's favor ourselves, uh, and we accept what he's done for us on the cross, and we yield our life to him as Lord or boss. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. It's at that point that we have the opportunity to either live in the realm of the Spirit or live in the realm of the flesh. Because making Jesus Lord is the same as fearing the Lord. It's the same thing. Whenever you make Jesus boss of your life, you step into the realm of wisdom and you have the opportunity to live in the Spirit from that day forward. God's Spirit lives in us from that point forward when you decide to follow Christ, and He's going to nudge us toward doing what pleases God. He's going to nudge us toward it. The flesh will keep pulling us, and it's like gravity, keep trying to pull us down toward self-centered living. You see this in Galatians 5, 16, 17, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We, we have to keep choosing the ways of God to avoid folly and grow in wisdom and God's Spirit will help if we turn to Him. But He will not override our own will. He, he will not. Force us to do things His way. It's important to understand. It's a fight. It's, it's a fight from the time we decide to follow Christ. It's a fight against the flesh and the old strategies. They're very familiar to us. And if you don't know this, you're surprised by the battle that's raging inside of you after you decide to follow Christ. I don't want you to be surprised. I want you to know what to expect. It is an all-out fight. And it's like hand-to-hand combat. It's, it's, it's like this wrestling match that goes inside. When, when you start the Christian life, now, in, in our minds, we, we tend to think, oh, well, the Spirit comes and lives inside us, and we just kind of... From there on, float along, and we always want to do what God wants. And if you don't know that it's a battle, you're surprised, and you, the enemy can use that to take you down. It's a lot harder than you thought, isn't it? From the day you decide to follow Christ, it is a fight. It's a moment by moment reality. We decide how we're going to live. We either live by the flesh. And reap the consequences of the flesh. Or we live in the spirit reaping the tasty fruit that he brings. As we handle life and families and friendships in our responsibilities. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. So what happens in our lives is we, we decide to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He's, he's like our, our connection to the resources of heaven. And so eternal life, the quality, there's this aspect that we begin to live. We have the opportunity to live out that life right now. And if we continue to cooperate with God, it's like this, you know, there's a point in time where the seed's planted in us. If we keep walking in the Spirit, it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until we transition into heaven and then we experience the full, full-on life in the Spirit. But it's our choice. After you become a Christ follower, it's like you have your hand on the switch. You, you, you can flip the switch. You can either rely on your old ways of the flesh or depend on the Holy Spirit to help you to live the way that God wants you to live. In any given moment, a circumstance or a comment can happen and you can switch back. If you're in the realm of the Spirit, if you're living in the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, you can fall back into the flesh. Any given moment. If you find yourself in the realm of the flesh, get out of it as soon as possible by flipping the switch. You flip the switch by confessing your sin. God, that was wrong, what I just said there. Boy, that thought, that was was not right before you. Will you you forgive me for that? Accept God's forgiveness. Confess your sin and your self-reliance to God and then submit to the spiritual leadership again. You flip the light on. It's like flipping the switch. You go back. That that process is how God trains us. That's how he changes us. So last session, we looked at the easy way fool pattern, growing out of the the Hebrew word for the folly of of stubborn self-centeredness, the S in our sad hearts. And we're born with this desire to get what we want. And... This desire to get what we want, it's at the heart of all the fleshly strategies. The easy way fool is the more passive way to get your way. Uh, He only turns aggressive when he gets caught being lazy. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at the reactive way fool. We're going to meet the reactive way fool, the avil, is the Hebrew word, who also grows out of aveleth, the desire to get their way. Uh, they have a pattern of being adversarial to get their way, and many of us have a little of this in us um, here's there 's her, her pick. Would you want to mess with her <laughs> not me <laughs> not me <laughs> uh, this may not be this may not be your go to pattern, but all of us can do this that 's how it is with each of these these uh, fool patterns. Um, I know that early on, I would use this strategy at key times when I wanted something that I didn't get. Um, My first at bat ever in organized baseball, I was eight years old, and I hit the ball over the, the fielder's head, the outfielder's head. We didn't have fences, and so I hit it far enough that I could run all the way around the bases. And I ran all the way around the bases. I slid across home plate, and right across the home plate. The umpire should have been able to see this. But I decided that I'd reach back and touch the plate, just so everybody knew I had touched it. Before I reached back and touched the plate, the catcher tagged me with the ball, and the umpire called me out. I went ballistic. I'm throwing helmets. I'm throwing bats. I'm throwing everything I can get my hands on. I'm yelling, screaming, crying. The commissioner of the league came over trying to calm me down. I'm yelling at the umpire who was trying to date my sister at the time. You'll never get a date with her. (laughs) I'm just just pulling out all the stops, okay? Because here's the problem. I know in my heart it was a home run, (laughs) but it was taken away from me. I wanted that, I wanted to be able to say that, and, you know, it's all good now. doesn't really matter, although I'm getting worked up talking about it right now. (laughs) Now, nobody had to teach me that. That was a very natural strategy. I I used it often to get what I want. I got more stories, but, you know, we don't have that much time. Uh, This is the basic strategy of the reactive wave pool. The key tool of this fool that they use is upset. They're upset easily and manipulate others to let them have their way. Now, this is normal for a a toddler. Less normal for a five-year-old, really perverse for an adult. It It really is. The goal of parents is to train this out of kids. Some people never let go of this strategy and use it into adulthood. They polish it up, sophisticate it, but upset becomes a tool they use to get their way. The fool is described in Proverbs 12, 16, this fool. A fool, Evil, E-V-I-Y-L, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. I'd like to show you a clip from the sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond. And, uh, you know, his, his mom is classic, reactive way, fool. Um, but I'd like you to watch how upset is used by Raymond's wife and his mom to try to control what his brother Robert is doing. Robert has cheated on his girlfriend, Amy, whom they all love. She's loved by Deborah and his mom, Marie. And right before the scene we're going to watch, Deborah actually hits Robert and starts picking on him, picking at him, badgering him. Anyway, let's watch what happens. Who's been telling him it's his life? (laughs) There you go, that is a picture of how it works. You've got classic reveal relating to a casile or two. <laughs> and uh, did you catch Raymond's advice in the fight? Play dead, lay down, play dead. That's what casilles do. Coaching from a seasoned easy way guy. Um, this is a picture of how this fool operates in everyday life. Uh, they, they may get compliance for a brief time Uh, With a head nod, but you can tell Robert's heart hasn't moved in the middle of this. We can all do this. We show annoyance immediately because we want to override what the other person is doing and squash their opposition to our agenda. With the reactive wave fool, this is a way of life. It's very painful to relate to this fool. It's like trying to hug a cactus, and we know not to do that. Never seen anybody go up to a a cactus and give it a hug. Over time, the people around these fools start avoiding them because relating them is so unpleasant, so difficult, so hard. The core problem with all foolish strategies is a lack of faith. In the flow of life, the fools are trying to get what they want without trusting God for it in the flesh. The reactive way fool aims to get my way no matter what God says about treating people the right way as we've been saying biblical fools are morally deficient not mentally deficient they overlook what's right to get their way this fool has some clear characteristics that you can identify in scripture in the passages that use the Hebrew word evil Uh, They're rebellious, they always have a better way than the leaders over them. They're adversarial, they're not going to cooperate unless you're on their page, on their wagon. Uh, They're controlling, and they're manipulative. They try to move people around like chess pieces to do what they want. The reactive way fool, they want to run the show, and people tend to run away from them after... A while, over time, people begin to avoid them like the plague. Here's a rundown of the reactive way fool approach to life. And this, again, this is a composite from Scripture. What you can do, and I'll show you how to do it, I think, at the beginning of the last session. But there's tools you can use to go into Scripture and pull out every Hebrew, every verse that uses the Hebrew word in, in that verse. And so you can take a veal, the, the way these profiles were put together is uh, you take the Hebrew word, you trace it in scripture, and you read the verses, and you can, you can put a composite together uh, of these profiles. So here's a composite, a profile of uh, the reactive ways approach to life. When relating to the authority over them, they follow reluctantly. If it's not their idea, it's a bad idea. They choose goals for the authority over them. At work, for instance, they come up with ideas that should be implemented and insist the the boss goes along with it and doesn't let it go. Badger, badger, badger. Same thing happens on teams and groups in church life or in student ministries. These guys always have a better way. They talk while the leader speaks because while the, ple- the leader is giving direction or laying out their plan, they have a better plan. So they're correcting what's being said or they're they're giving their ideas as it goes along. So that's how they relate to authority over them. Very painful to have someone like this on the team. Uh, relationships in general, in, in those, they're... They're unforgiving. If you cross them, you will pay. They will remember. They decide what others ought to do, and this repels others. When when you manipulate, push, and control others, they're disrespected. You disrespect them. If they go along at first, they eventually, they might go along, but eventually they pull back you just don't get close to a porcupine because the needles, they, they hurt. You just don't draw close. So they decide what others ought to do. They're quick to anger. They are frequently in arguments. There are frequent arguments associated with their pattern. Conflict, tension, animosity follows them like a wake behind a boat. You know, a strong wake makes for a turbulent ride and that's how it is relating Uh, to this foolish person. Um, They refuse to take responsibility for wrongdoing. They almost never apologize or ask forgiveness. And they refuse to listen to advice. Why would someone who has a plan for everybody else's life need advice? (laughs) They don't need it. So if, if people would just do what they want, life would be good. What you read in Proverbs 27.3 is a stone is heavy and sand is weighty but a fool's provocation evil, is heavier than both. Having them in a family in church life in a, on a group in a group, on a team it weighs everyone down. That's what this passage is saying. It, the stone is heavy the sand is weighty. A fool's provocation is heavier than both. It's like having a square wheel on a bike or a warped wheel on a bike. You just, as you're trying to move forward, it's just almost impossible to make any kind of progress because the wheel's so warped. The friction they create slows the progress toward the goal. Uh, They generate a, a great deal of ill will in their relationships having an enjoyable conversation with a fool is so difficult that family, friends, bosses, co-workers stop telling them everything they need to know. Now this is important to grasp. This this tends to be your pattern. If, or if you, even maybe you don't every day dive into this. None of us, if we've decided to follow Christ, are committed to these patterns. We've committed to following Christ. We're trying to grow out of these patterns. But if we use these patterns, they backfire on us. They hurt us. Everything gets such a reaction if, if you're using this pattern, if you're using upset as a tool to get your way. The people around you are thinking, it's going to be such an overreaction. It's just not worth the drama, so I'm not even going to talk to them about this. I'm not even going to let them know what's going on. So kids leave things out of their stories, and they begin to sneak around on their parents rather than deal with the overreaction of mom and dad. I just don't want to see that. A boss needs real-time information from frontline employees, but a quick-to-anger boss doesn't, doesn't get that information. They don't get a clear picture because employees want to avoid the volcanic re- eruption that comes if they tell them the truth of what's going on. If you're an employee who makes it difficult for their boss by trying to control the work environment, by being upset all the time and pressing your agenda, you don't give them the respect you should give them. They leave you out of important conversations, and you begin to get marginalized. You're on the fringe. Resentment begins to build among friends, because rather than listen, you've always got the perfect fix. And then you badger them. After you lay out your plan for them, you badger them to do it. Here's a honey badger. Very cute little kitten. Isn't that a cute little kitten? Very cute. Here's a full-grown honey badger. Now, I saw a clip of one of these little guys taking down a grizzly bear. They're, 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 they're mean. They can protect themselves. They're about the size of a cat. And many other animals just don't want to mess with them. Lions don't, don't mess with them. They just stay clear. This is how it is with people relating to the Aveal Fool. People get so vexed by relating to them that they just avoid them if at all possible. They just don't want to get into conversations. And that ends up really hurting uh, the person who lives this pattern out. Uh, when people see this reactive, uh, reactive way fool in the grocery store, they kind of try to stay in other aisles. You know, maybe, maybe try. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they're going to have to say. I don't want to see it. You avoid a eye contact. And this foolish strategy has a tremendous negative a- impact on the people who choose it. It boomerangs to wound them more and more over time. There are long-term problems and damage from using this approach. Plans keep falling apart on them because they can't garner the cooperation by trying to force people to cooperate. So the plans fall apart. Sickness is associated with this fool in Scripture. And then these, these folks tear down families. Rather than family and home growing stronger, it's torn down by this pattern. These are passages that show this relationship. A pattern like this can become such a part of a person that they don't realize the impact on themselves and the others around them. And the stress of trying to control their world wears them down and causes sickness. They end up alone because they're so frustrated with others that they decide they have to handle life on their own and others are avoiding them anyway, so they're just going to take it into their own hands and make it happen. Now, the main reason I'm doing these talks is to help us identify foolishness in our own lives. You may not fit this profile perfectly. You can see some of the traits. Or, or you may, after looking in the mirror of God's Word, Suspect that you might resemble this profile. As I said, this strategy and all others grow out of the three heart problems that are embedded there. Selfishness, arrogance, and damage. This means we need to change at the heart level to grow away from these destructive patterns. God wants to change our heart, but he's only going to do so if we resign as the ruler of our own life. When we decide to put our destiny in God's hands, that's when he can work with us. That's especially so for the reactive way. When we trust God, he, he makes us new, he begins to change us, but we have to give him control. Following Christ means we choose to live for his will, versus expecting others to do our will you see this in proverbs 3 5 and 8 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and shun evil this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones when we decide to follow christ we choose to fear the lord we take God seriously. We aim to please him in every part of our life. That's, that's what it means to cross the line of committing to Christ. He, he's in charge. And at that moment, he begins to heal us if we continue to cooperate with him. We experience it in this life. He heals us and, and as we trust him in the flow of life, and he leads us away from folly. So, how to let God change this pattern? Let's look at the, these thoughts these ideas these principles first of all ask god to help you see the consequences or damages from your folly it's very hard for this fool particularly to see the damage because they tend to be wrapped up in their their own plan but if your plans keep falling apart or no one seems to cooperate or they don't really want to cooperate or friends always begin to distance themselves Ask God to show you your part in all of that. You and I need help. We need help to connect the dots between the trouble we're experiencing in our lives and the habit patterns that are generating it. Not all trouble is our fault. But some or most of it is, depending on our level of folly. Uh, it's important to be open to admitting faults so we can begin to change. This is the first step to making things right. God, God forgives when we confess. When we confess our sin, we simply means we agree that it's wrong. And if we're willing to accept fault, God works with us, he forgives us, and he shows us our wrong, and he begins to heal us. Number two way to grow away from this folly is to focus on what God wants you to do, not what others ought to do. As life flows by, ask God to help you focus on your own role and responsibility, your own stewardship in the circumstance and not the role of others that they should be taking. Galatians 6, 4, and 5 says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. This is a crucial word for a person with this pattern of foolishness. God gives each of us a life, and he holds us accountable to live that life. He's holding us accountable for what we do with the life that he's given us. We're made in the image of God. And this gives us a tremendous amount of worth and dignity before him. We reflect the image of God. It's marred because of sin when it entered the world, but it's still there. So every person on the face of the earth has this worth and dignity built into them because they're human beings. If... If you try to control another human being, that's incredibly demeaning and degrading. It's very offensive to God. And it generates a great deal of resentment in the person you're trying to control. So ask God to help you see the damage that you're doing in the lives of others. If this is a pattern or if you use upset occasionally, whichever, Uh, Humble yourself and receive his help to overcome it. The opposite of folly is wisdom. And I've been coming back to this at the end of each of our talks. Uh, Jesus wants to change our heart and lead us to live wisely. Look at Colossians 2.3. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Jesus. All the treasures, I'm just going to go ahead and talk loud. Um, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in, in Jesus. So, thank you, sir. So, God gives wisdom as we choose to follow Christ. He'll guide you to experience the treasures of wisdom as you live life His way. If you know him already, confess the reactive way or the times you use upset. Maybe it's been recently. Ask God to help you overcome this pattern. As soon as you confess, he forgives. And it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to the flesh. That's what you find in Titus. It's his grace. We just need to accept his grace. You know, We all blow it. None of us live a perfect life. We all mess up. And so if you know him, just confess, s- turn the, the light switch on, get back into the realm of the spirit as you, as you catch yourself falling into the flesh and using upset or this pattern. If you don't yet know him, give your life to him and continue to investigate what it means to follow him. You will find the treasures of wisdom are all in him, in Jesus Christ. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us. We praise you for working in us the way you do, for giving us the opportunity to walk out of the realm of folly into the realm of wisdom, to walk with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you. And we honor you. And we praise you for living in us. And I ask that, Lord, you'd help us to keep in step with your spirit. Help us to see these foolish strategies that we use and repent from them, turn around from them, and live life your way. And as we catch ourselves falling back into them, help, help us to fall onto your grace and ac- accept your forgiveness as we confess. And we ask, God, for your power to change in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.